0: Proverbs chapter 3. We've been doing a series on the apologetics of the Christianity. Apologetics is a, uh, the idea that we're not making an apology for being Christians. We're sorry we're Christians, and Christians have been so bad throughout the years, so uh, we just want to apologize to you. We see that in our culture today, where Christians, are apologizing for what they've classically believed, especially when it comes to what we believe about sin. Uh, By the way, we believe what we believe about sin, not only primarily, but singly from the Scripture. We don't want to make things up, but sin is very clear in the Word of God. We've all fallen short of the standard that God has given us. His standard being perfection. Um, but we do not need to apologize in this because God is God and he is perfect and his wonderful standard is wonderful because if it was any less it would mean he is less and we would be in big trouble. No when we use the word apologetics it has to do with giving a reason for why we believe what we believe. And brethren there are we they evidence, for Christianity, for Bible Christianity, from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, is so ample um, that to not believe it is is obvious that you're not believing the truth. We looked at suffering. So many look at the suffering we see in this world, and they say there's so much suffering. How can God be God if there's suffering? And in the end, the truth is, is that suffering comes because He has... Uh, in His infinite wisdom and wonderful wisdom, allowed us to choose, and we've chosen to sin. And sin has piled up upon this world for generations, uh, for six thousand years. And much of the horror and sorrow that we see in this world, it's because of us. <laughs> but here is the amazing truth: God, will, God sent His only begotten Son. That whoever believeth in him should not perish. Now, we're all going to perish in this world, but there is a heaven that's for real. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to go to the place that is perfect. Not because you've been perfect, but because Jesus Christ paid for your admittance into that place. There is suffering, but the suffering is not, the blame cannot fall upon God. The blame is 100% and fully upon the shoulders of mankind. And that's you and me. But He paved the way for us to be saved from this place. I'm glad we won't spend eternity here. Aren't you? There was a day where I thought very highly of this place. And the longer I live, the less I like it. The longer I live, the less I find the pleasures that I hoped I would find. But just never have. But heaven's going to be perfect. Today... I want to look at one of the most important things. Why in the world do we want to learn these things? Why do we want to learn the Scriptures so fully that we believe them fully? The answer to that is so that we might teach them fully, especially to those that are ours. One of the most alarming things is the statistics that come out about young people and how fast they're leaving the church. And ultimately, I believe the, that young people are leaving the church because they do not have a reason to believe. They've not been given a reason to believe that Christianity is true. Now, we might say, well, that's because those those young people, they're so worldly. All they want to do is do worldly things. They don't, they, they don't want to hear about sin, and that may be true. But I tell you what, if they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt That Jesus Christ is God. And what He has given us in the Word of God is absolutely 100% true. If they came to that realization, which no mom and dad can make a kid do that, can they? I have four with a fifth on the way. I cannot make my children believe. If I were to do so, it would be proof that they didn't believe. If I had to go to my son Riley and say, Riley, if you do not believe what I tell you... I am going to cut a finger off every day you don't. He would say on the first day, Dad, I believe what you're saying. But it would be evidence that he does not believe it at all. Right? If I were to tell my children, children, if you do not believe what I believe, you will not be able to be part of this home anymore. You won't be part of my family. You're gone forever if you don't believe what I believe. Many children would say, I believe what you say, Dad. I believe what you say, Mom. Because they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. You know, there are religions around the world today. In fact, most religions, if they were able to get away with it, they would absolutely do these things. Whether it be Catholicism, or Muslims, or Buddhists, or Hindus. Whether it be uh, Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses, the idea that you will be cast out if you do not believe what I believe is a serious threat. And most people who believe religious things ultimately believe because their mom and dad told them they had to. Or their religion told them they had to, and if they didn't, they'd forfeit a lot. Brethren, this is incredible evidence that those dear people, those souls, don't believe what they believe anyway. But I want you to know we have the truth. And I desperately desire that the young people of our church know the truth and believe it. But we can't make them. We cannot make them. I want you to notice several passages in the book of Proverbs. Start there in Proverbs 3. We started off with this passage, but I want you to notice what the... Uh, King says in verse 21, My son, let not them, that is those things that are true that I have imparted to you, depart from thine eyes. I want you to notice that word depart. We'll see that several times. Let them not depart. Let them not depart. In chapter 4, verse 21. Again, my son, attending to my words, verse 20, incline thine ear into my sayings. Let them not depart. From thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Let them not depart. Chapter five, verse seven. Hear me now, now therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Depart not from the words of my mouth. From a father to the son, wisdom given. Let them not depart. And my desire is that when I teach my children, when I teach anybody, is that what I teach, if it be true, that it not depart. That, that I, that we would not depart from the truths that are true. But we know that we depart from these things. We can easily depart from them. And the truth is, is that children can often depart from them. Which brings us to a very special passage in Proverbs 22. A very special passage in Proverbs 22. And I believe it's often misunderstood. But in Proverbs 22, verse 6, the Scripture says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. May God help us today, because I do believe this special and wonderful verse is often misunderstood. And yet, the promise that God does give here is sure. And it shows that our God cares for us. He cares for us. Let's pray and we'll dig in. Father, I plead with You today that You would have Your hand upon each and every mom and dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, And that as we learn the truths of your word today, that you would please help us to understand what you are saying here. Father, I, I plead with you that we would see what you have said, and we would so we would so see the promise that we would give ourselves to this training. Help us to not misunderstand it. Help us to not see things that aren't there. And Lord, I pray that You would help me in the teaching of these things to teach them in truth and not in falsehood. Please, Father, we pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This passage is sometimes interpreted to mean that moms and dads should be very involved in their children and when they get older, they should uh, they should be involved in what career they pick. Uh, they should be involved in, in who they marry and, and they should be involved in, in guiding their way down the road. They should be involved and in kind of kind of have a, 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 a way of dictating their desires for their children so that they kind of do what mom and dad think they should do. I'm not against this. I think it's wise that children listen to moms and dads when it comes to the major decisions in life. Ever thought about this? The most major decisions that you're going to make in your life are going to be when you're 20. We might say to God, God, that does not make any sense. (laughs) You mean that as a 20 year old, I'm going to pick and uh, young people. I I remember when I was young, probably the single hardest period of my entire life was when I graduated from college. I knew what I wanted to do and how I was going to get there in college. As soon as I got out, I had no clue what was going on. None. Um, But. We make decisions of career. We make decisions of family. Uh, We make decisions on who we're going to marry. We make decisions on what part of the world we're going to live. All when we're young. And God made it this way, didn't He? He didn't say in the Scripture, Hey, wait till you're 45 to figure out what you're going to do with life. Now, our generation today often waits till they're 45. (laughs) Until they figure out what they're going to do in life. But God desires us at a young age to make these decisions of family and marriage and career and where we're going to live. And young people, if you think it's unwise to get wisdom from those that are older than you, you are fully deluded. And there is a very large chance that you're going to make mistakes. And if you make mistakes in these things, you can make some pretty big ones. You can make some pretty big ones. But this ultimately, I believe, waters down the promise that's here. It waters down what God is intentionally trying to give us here. He's not trying to ultimately tell us, hey, moms and dads, be very involved in the 22-year-old's life as they come to these big decisions. He's talking about training them when they're young. Another interpretation of this scripture, I also believe, is off the mark, at least a little bit. It does not meet the context of the Scripture. It doesn't meet the context of the the book of Proverbs. And it does not meet what we know to be true, not only experientially, but also scripturally. You see, God, because we train our children, is not going to make our children believe what we believe. God does not make anybody believe anything. God does not make anybody believe anything. And so some say this promise is such that if you teach your kids the Bible... When they're young, when they get older, they they're going to be good Christians. You know, if you give yourself to teaching the Bible when they're young, then when they grow up, they're going to be Christians. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. This is a, this goes against the very grain of the Book of Proverbs. Why in the world would would? the king, the father, say many times throughout the book of Proverbs, don't depart from these things if there wasn't a possibility the children could. Experientially, we know that there have been those who have been trained in the way of God better than probably most of any of the kids in this generation. And yet, they've grown up to be unbelieving to the extreme. Unbelieving to the extreme. Some of the most staunch atheists had God-fearing and God-loving mothers and fathers. Nietzsche, probably the single most infamous atheist. His mom sat at his side while he died in his atheism. Did God not keep his promise? This is not the promise that God gave what is it the promise that God gave and this is so precious and moms and dads may God help us to get it because it's so important the promise I believe undoubtedly that what God is saying here is that if you train your children in the truth of the word of God if you train your children in the truth of the word of God Then when they were, when they are old, that truth will not depart from them. In other words, they're not going to be able able to escape what you taught them. You will not be able to, they will not be able to escape what you taught them. They will never be able to get away with what mom taught them as they were at their, at mom's knee. They'll always remember. And Nietzsche in his own testimony was filled with terror at the end of his life. Why? Because his mother and what she taught him when she was young. He never, as far as we know, I don't believe he ever believed, but he was terrorized by it until he died. Brother, I want you to know, ultimately, I want my children... To not have these things lead them to where they can forget them. As if when they were a child, all that they learned didn't count. I want them to know as they grow older and they begin to make their own decisions. That what was taught to them, they can never escape. And young people, I want you to listen to this and I want you to remember it. I'm pleading with you. Because some of you in this room, undoubtedly are going to try to escape from the teachings of your mother and your father, of the teachings of the Scripture that you learned in Sunday school, of the teachings that you learned um, and on Sunday morning, of the things that you learned from the Bible. One day, some of you are going to find yourself, like the prodigal son, far away from the Lord. But the amazing thing is, is God, in His promise to your mom and dad, is not going to let you escape from what you learn. It is going to be there at that time like a sore that won't go away. Like a sore that won't go away. And when you remember what Pastor was saying about uh, Proverbs 22.6, I want you to remember this. This is because God loves you, but He loves your mom and dad. And He will not let you escape from the living Word of God. He will not let you escape from that word that you learned. It will be there and be there and be there. And you will try to run away. But I want you to remember the reason why you won't forget and can't forget is because God keeps His promises. And those things that you were trained up in when you were young, God says they will not depart from you. And they will be like a hound. They will be like a hound. Treeing. One of those. Well now I'm drawing a blank. I hate when this happens. What's the stupid? Raccoons. Raccoons. Thank you. What's wrong with pastor? i just tell you this. Come on up here and do this. And see if you don't forget what a raccoon is. But that hound will try to treat you like a raccoon. That hound is God. He loves you. He loves you. And the testimony of these things is numerous throughout history. I love to read biographies. We'll, We'll look at the biography a little bit of Adoniram Judson in just a few minutes. But it's amazing how many young men especially, young women too, but young men especially turned From the teachings of their mom and dad. And yet gloriously returned. Because they could not escape what mom and dad taught them. They couldn't. No matter what they did. No matter how hard they tried. No matter who they became friends with. No matter what bars they tried to drown it with. No matter uh, what uh, places of disrepute they tried to find themselves in. They cannot escape what mom and dad taught them. I'm so glad about that. Because moms and dads, there is going to come a day where we will not have any more opportunity to influence our children as they walk away. Now, not all children will. And I'm glad about that too. And I'm praying that none of my children will. I don't want to go through the heartache and the anger and the tears that comes with it. But when it does happen, so much guilt has been pressed upon moms and dads that they have failed to teach their children the way they should. I want you to know. There is none in here that has successfully taught their children the way they should. Zero. We've all fallen short. God is the only one who successfully taught our children right. We have failed to pray when we should. We've failed to teach when we should. We've been tired and said I just want to go to bed tonight. All of us have done that. We have all failed in parenting the way we should. We have taught wrong things. We have been a wrong example. And so if our children grow to not believe these things, it is not God not keeping His promise, or it is not that we have failed to teach right, because I believe just about all of the parents in here have tried their hardest and prayed with with great great desire that their children learn. And yet children still can grow up and go away. And yet if you've been one of those, you can testify, and many have, I could not get away from what my mom taught me. I could not get away from what my dad taught me. I found myself in the the deepest and the deepest of holes, and all that could come to my mind is what I learned in Sunday school. I've heard it many times. I've read about Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, C.H. Spurgeon. These are all men who would go back and say, I remember what my mom taught me. John Newton. I remember what my mom taught me. And I couldn't get away. This is the promise of God. And so what does it mean for us? This is so crucial. Moms and dads, I plead with you to listen. God's promise is that we train our children the way in which they should go. We have to teach them because they cannot remember what they had not learned. They cannot remember what they had not learned. You hear me? Make sense? Our children will not remember what they have not had poured into their brains from our soul to their brain. They won't remember if they haven't learned. We live in a sad day where very little teaching is being done because very little is known. We had Super Sunday School this morning. I praise the Lord for the answers. That these kids have. That they knew the answers to some questions that are pretty tough. Listen, moms and dads. If you don't come to Sunday school, your children will not know these things. Nor will you. And you will not be able to teach them. And I want you to have all the information from the Lord. All the wisdom and knowledge that you can. remember, God's only going to give you little by little. Isaiah tells us that he is going to build bricks of, in our life. He's going to build it line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And so God's not looking for you to know everything there is to know in the Scripture today. If you're a new convert, there's a lot of things that you'd say, I don't know. But everything that you do learn is something that you can then teach. And your children can be taught these things from you. Children can be taught these things from you. Sunday school teachers, in the same vein, there have been many who remember what they were taught in Sunday school. D.L. Moody remembered his mom, what his mom taught him, and what his Sunday school teacher taught him. Was saved gloriously as a young man trying to sell shoes by his Sunday school teacher who came and came while they were supposed to be shelling shoes and gave them the Gospel. I'm glad that our children won't escape, but they need to have something to not escape from. Are you hearing me? They need to have something to not escape from. And so, as we learn the Scriptures, we learn because we want God to teach us things. We want God to teach us who He is, what He's all about, and what He would have us to be. He, we, we need to learn the doctrines of the Scripture. That God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is above all things. That He is bigger than the very universe in which He is made. That He is bigger than the very heavens in which He lives. God is infinite in all aspects. And he is, he is good. He is perfectly good. He, was, he, was, he is without mark. Our children need to learn this. Our children need to know that every single tree that has been made out there has been made by God and that God made them too. That He formed them in their mother's womb. They need to know these doctrines. Where are they going to learn them? I want you to know they have much more opportunity to learn them from you than from anyone else. And they are going to learn many things in their lifetime. Are children going to learn things that are not true? Yeah. Turn on PBS. Right? PBS, the learning channel. <laughs> much education. So much of it wrong. So much of it is just not true. Where are they going to hear what is true? Moms and dads, here's the amazing thing. As our children go off to college, as our our children face things in the world, did you know Adoniram Judson went to the premier Christian college in America where he learned deism and a denial of the supernatural? Know what college that was? They called it Providence College. We call it Brown today. We call it Day. It wasn't what he got, what he learned in this Christian school that ultimately got a hold of him. It was he—he he could not escape the God that his dad taught him, and his dad taught him in a way where he was terrified. It is a good thing to give ourselves to teaching what we've learned. This is for. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, Sunday school teachers, anybody who's ever learned anything of God, God has given us that so that we could teach somebody else. Because if they learn that thing, whether it be mom and dad or not, it is something that God can use later on down the road. Even if that person tries to escape God. So many people today have no way... They have nothing, no framework in which to not escape from God because they've never been taught anything of God. Why are we going to do vacation Bible school? Did you know that there are going to be a good number of the young people who come into this building who will have not heard one thing about who God really is? I cannot tell you how many times. A mom or dad has come up to me, whether he after uh, VBS or some other time, and say, you know, my kid's been asking me about God, and I don't know what to tell them, so I send them to you. Well, praise the Lord, we're glad they're here, but we want you to know it too, so you can teach them. Right. But there are going to be many moms and dads who are not going to be, who are not going to do this, and yet, how many adults have you ever met in your life that remember going to VBS when they were a kid? I have met numerous adults. Who have, who don't go to church, who have no thought of God as far as you can tell. But they, they see BBS on a sign outside of church or in a, or in a bank, uh, lobby and they say, I remember that. God has something to use because of BBS in a child's life and then one day in an adult's life to get hold of them. I had an Iron Judson He was an amazing man. And his wife, even more so. She gave her life in Burma. Adoniram Judson grew up in a Christian home. His dad was a pastor of a congregational church that was as conservative as could be. Liberal... Theology, the idea that miracles don't happen or anathema in this home. The idea that Jesus could not have risen from the dead, that Mary did not conceive as a virgin. These were things that were absolutely not believed. Now, many congregational churches at that time were teaching that. Most congregational churches, if not the vast majority of them today, will teach that today. But back then, for this pastor, for this man... Mr. Judson, uh, Dr. Judson, this was not something that would even be considered in the home. His mom was a dear lady who who taught Adoniram the Scriptures and prayed for him every day. And Adoniram was a genius. He was the kind of guy who could read something and remember what he read years later. (laughs) Remember what page it was on. You ever known someone like that? They can remember what page they read ten years ago. It's an amazing thing. I can't even remember what a raccoon is. <laughs> but Adam Adoniram was a genius. And his dad and mom sent him off to Providence College where he learned naturalism and deism. The idea of, of believing in a God, but that God is completely uninvolved in life and doesn't do anything, especially miracles, and that Jesus Christ was no God. He learned this from his peers, especially a man who was just older than him. His name was Jacob Evans. Uh, Jake, Jacob Eames. And Jacob Eames was a very popular young man in school. He was a year ahead of Adam was several years as elder because Adoniram, he graduated from Brown as an 18-year-old. That's an amazing thing. But he was tremendously influenced by these folks. Tremendously influenced. And though he graduated as valedictorian from the premier Bible college in America, this Baptist college, he left an unbeliever. He left an unbeliever and for the first two years as he uh, left college, he tried to make money by being a teacher of a private school. He started his own private school to teach children. He did it for two years and was extremely bored, but he remembered some of the late nights that he had with Eames and some of the other guys and, and how the primary reason for living was ultimately that they might find fame and fortune. That they might find fame... And, fortune. and so after two years, Adoniram went home and he had a conversation with his mom and dad. And he told them that he no longer wanted to be a teacher, but he was going to go to New York City. New York City had the reputation that it often does today. Why in the world would anybody go to New York City? I don't know. But he, he was going to go to New York City to join himself and he was going to become a famous actor you believe this, in the early 1800s, man saying, I'm going to go and be a famous actor in New York City. And this is a conversation that's recorded in this book. By the way, if you do not have this book, I'd encourage you to get it. You can borrow this from me. I've read it a couple of times. To the Golden Shore, The Life of Matt and Iron Judson. This is a wonderful book. Wonderful book. The reading is, is incredible and you'll enjoy it. But um so he told them that he was going to New York and this is what happened. At first, they were incredulous. Then they realized that Adam Iron was d- uh, determined. They displayed a sort of horrified amazement. What was wrong, his mother asked, with the pleasant family circle in Plymouth? Why, demanded his father, and he suddenly decided to interrupt the promising career. Adam Iron Iram had no, uh, no answer. They could not realize that he had come to the point where he must throw off all their rules. No matter how benevolent, the act to think for himself. He could not explain it, and why should he have to? As he restlessly listened to their remonstrances, unreasoning, anger began to rise in him. His father, unyielding, unperceptive to the nuances of feeling in others, finally goaded him too far. Why? asked the Reverend Mr. Judson, did not Adeniram study to become a minister? If he found that teaching was not to his taste. A minister! All at once, Adoniram's resentment boiled over. Furiously, he flung out the truth. His father and mother froze with horror as Adoniram Judson's words struck with their startled ears. The God of the Third Church of Plymouth was not his God, Adoniram told them. He could not believe that the Bible was anything but a work of men any more than were the Koran, or the sacred writings of Buddha, great as its principles might be, even Jesus, He was certainly the Son of Man, but almost as certainly not the Son of God, except in the sense that all men were. Mr. Judson was outraged. What had gotten to his boy? You can only imagine if that would not be my reaction. Ultimately, Adoniram got on the horse that his dad gave him, went to New York, tried to join himself to an acting troupe. After several months of trying to do this, he found out that they were teaching, that their job was to teach him how to be a pickpocket and a scoundrel. He finally said, well, this is enough for me. And he said, I'll just wander. And wandering he did. He wandered to his uncle's house. His uncle also was a pastor, but his uncle was out of town. And he met a young pastor who was there filling in. And he was amazed at how joyful that young man was and how he wasn't trying to destroy him and to present God as a malicious and hateful man. He remembered this man. But that next day, he got up and began to wander until he got to an inn. And I'd like to give you the what he gave as his accounting of these things. And we'll close. He came to this hotel and it was it was uh, full except for a room right next to a man who was dying. And so the scripture, uh, not the scripture, this book, uh, this accounting of these things says that he took that room and so through the night, the night was still, he couldn't sleep. In the next room, beyond the partition, he could hear sounds, not very loud, footsteps coming and going and board creaking, low voices, a groan or grass. These didn't disturb him unduly. Not even the realization that a man might be dying. Death was commonplace in Ann Arm's New England. It might come to anyone at any age. What disturbed him was the thought that the man next, in his next room might not be prepared for death. Was he himself? A confusing coil of speculation unwound itself. As he lay half dreaming, half waking, while the autumn chill stole down from the mountains and crept through the very crack and cranny of the house, he wondered how he himself would face death. His father would welcome it as a door opening toward an immortal glory. So much his creed had done for him, but to Adoniram, the son, the free thinker, the deist, the infidel, lying huddled under the covers, death was an exit, not an entrance. It was a door to an empty pit to darkness darker than night. At best, to extinction. At worst, to what? On this matter, his philosophy was silent. It had no answer but, who knows? When Adoniram woke, the sun was streaming in the window. His apprehensions had vanished with the darkness. He could hardly believe that he would given in to such weakness. He dressed quickly and ran downstairs looking for the innkeeper. It was past time to have breakfast, pay his wrecking, saddle his horse, and be on his way. He found his host, asked for the bill, and perhaps noticing the man's sober face, asked casually whether the young man in the next room was any better. He's dead, was the answer. Dead? Adoniram was taken aback. There was a heavy finality to the word. For an instant, some of his fear of the night made itself felt once more. Adoniram stammered out of the few conventional phrases common to humanity when death takes someone nearby. And he asked the inevitable question. You know who he was? Oh yes. Yes, a young man, uh, from the college in Providence. He said, who's that man? That's where I went to school. His name was, uh, Eames. Jacob Eames. best friend from school. He goes on to tell us that suddenly he remembered his dad's job. The God who's omniscient and knows all things. And if, if he happened to find himself at his uncle's home with a young man who would teach him the things that his dad taught him. But in a sweeter way, it was God who did it. If he found himself in a, in a hotel room and there was no place for him to be but right next to a dying man. It was God who did it. And he goes on to tell us that he saddled his horse and he made his way back to Plymouth. Home. He was gloriously saved, and just a few years later he was on a boat to where he made his way to India. In India, he was scripturally baptized. He left a congregationalist and he met William Carey, a Baptist. He said he understood that he'd never been baptized. Not scripturally, he was baptized as a little baby. But he was baptized there in India and he went on to be a minister in Burma. And even today, the Bible that the Burmese read is the Bible. The Adoniram translated. And today, in Burma, there is a sort of revival going on. Where people are getting saved in that far eastern country. I praise God that God keeps His promises. And He's not going to let our children go. For the things that we've talked them. Taught them will not be able to be escaped. I hope none of our children try to escape. The truth is, some may. And God will not let them go. And so I plead with you this morning. Moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, Sunday school teachers, teach. Teach what you know. And if you're a young person here today and you've been trying to escape, Because God keeps His promises. And you can come to Him and know the truth. And believe it with your own heart.